0: Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week. For a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand, the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. The key is just whether or not you believe it, and, and I think that's where the homework you know comes into play at the beginning. Like you know, did you think uh, enough about it? to really truly believe in it. And whether it works or doesn't is not something you're always going to know, but your belief in it is going to be one of the big determining factors of how well you can attract a team to to try to see whether or not you can be successful.
1: This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Edwin Friendoso. Welcome. How are you doing today? How's it going? Thank you for taking the time to join us. This is episode number 89, and my guest today is Andrew Witkin. He is an experienced entrepreneur, marketer, and the founder and president of Sticker U, a successful e-commerce startup that was named the fastest-growing promotional products company in Canada. Over the past decade, Andrew has built Sticker U into an influential e-commerce trendsetter that produces customized die-cut sticky products, including stickers, decals, iron-ons, badges, patches, labels, and magnets. And in our conversation, we talk about How to find out your starting position or your starting point within an organization. Learn the one challenge that Andrew has to do as a business leader. And also where Andrew shares his thoughts on honest transparency, respectful dialogue, and what what he continues to do to improve. Our sponsors today are Pungo, a business payment solution that helps remove business payment friction by making payments fast, connected, and easy to use. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Andrew. Hey, great to be here, Edwin. Thank you for your time. I know I really appreciate it. But, Andrew, let's just just start off by introducing yourself to our listeners today. If you could tell us, who is Andrew? And what does he like to do when he's not growing or leading businesses?
0: <laughs> well, probably like many people, I'm still trying to figure out who I am <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would say that when I'm not leading a business, I think like other entrepreneurs, probably I spend half my time thinking about a business. <laughs> um, but in a, in a more personal way, I think uh, more fundamentally, I'm kind of about travel wherever I can you know, try to take in new experiences in life. Um, I spend a, a fair amount of time now that I'm in my 40s trying to make my kids, you know, good citizens of the world, and uh, hopefully not a too addicted to their phones. I uh, I like to play sports. I like to try to stay healthy so I can be in this world for a while. And uh, you know, I think creativity, discovery, and authenticity are probably the, the biggest values that kind of make up who I am.
1: Well, that's amazing. I appreciate that you're sharing. I mean, I I could relate to to you in almost every point there, me being in my 40s. I do have only one child, young child. I'm a two-year-old father, so definitely I'd love to to take you offline to get some of your learnings, Andrew, in terms of of the mobile addiction.
0: Yes, yes. We're in different stages, but uh, they, they all are amazing in different ways, I can assure you.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So, Andrew, why don't we why don't we just just dive into it? If you could tell us about about your company, and let us know what your current role is, your responsibilities now, and perhaps what you're trying to accomplish over the next, I don't know, let's say six to twelve months.
0: Sure. Um, so, I have both uh, founded and I'm the CEO of a company called Sticker U, and um, You know, uh, we're a company with kind of many different dimensions, I guess. But at its core, it's a platform that allows people to order on an e-commerce level their own die-cut stickers, labels, decals, temporary tattoos. And so I I, I lead this. Um, The company was sort of formulated by seeing a trend in the world where people wanted their own customized products um, and valued them more than maybe mass-produced products. Uh, So a lot of my time you know, over the last number of years, I don't think too much has changed. But I'd say, you know, vision for the company, strategy, and people, as well as culture, uh, are probably the most important things I spend my time on. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, I think, the one constant, although businesses change, markets change, products change, I I think that's the one constant through this journey that that has been fairly uh, consistent.
1: No, that's amazing. And I do, I do even before um, coming into this interview, Andrew, I was aware of your brand for being, I guess, being in the startup community up here in Toronto, Canada. I always, I always saw your, I already, I always saw your labels and every event you go to, there's just so many stickers. So it was kind of, <laughs> I guess this is, I, I'm pretty sure this is not specific to the startup culture, but I'm sure that a big chunk of it uh, at the beginning maybe was, uh, was where a lot of the, the orders came from?
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it's kind of funny because I came out of consumer products and um, I headed up the marketing for a toy company. And uh, I also did entertainment licensing. And so when I first envisioned Sticker U, it was really more of a consumer play. And if mm. I had to define that, I'd say, you know, kind of like skateboarders, teenagers would find making their own custom stickers really cool. What I didn't realize until we launched is that actually they don't have a lot of money and and the people who actually were most receptive to the the concept were businesses small businesses startups uh organizations and and certainly along the way that's kind of where we've evolved but although we're very present uh, you know present in a lot of the startup community it was the furthest thing from my mind even though we were a startup when we first started the company
1: i guess it it goes to show you that you you do what you know right coming out of uh, the consumer space or even the media space right and so
0: true You, you you kind of you know you have a whole collection of experiences and that leads you to an insight and that insight you know probably leads to where the a company's uh starting point is but it's not until you really get out there with something live and you get customer feedback that you you know then you then your journey really begins because you're you don't have the support system of your experience as much guiding you as, as real customer insights. And that's, that's where we've evolved since then. But it's been, um, it's been, a, it's been fascinating actually, you know, being both consumer and predominantly, you know, small business in terms of our customer base.
1: Yeah, no, I'm sure about it. And hopefully we get into that a bit more, but you know, you, you talked about, we talked about you starting in consumer based within media. And when I looked at your career, I mean, obviously you've been, running sticker you for a while now but i'm wondering if you could share with us andrew some difficult decisions that you had to make whether it's recent within your company now or maybe in past careers that you had to make that eventually allowed you to to grow as a business leader
0: um yeah that's a great question i think we uh i think you know everyone in life who's run a business has probably had that that early difficult decision where somewhere in their career they had to you know, first let somebody go, I think that's always a hard thing to do. So I think that was one of my first things as a leader in a company I had to do early on. And I was like, wow, this is a little bit scary. Um, <laughs> but, but you do kind of grow from that. Um, you realize a that you're not trying to be a bad person, you actually are trying to do something that's beneficial to the company, and actually, sometimes the person who may not be working out. So I think those things in other companies were helpful to me along the way. Um, but probably the hardest decision I had to make was when I was at Megablocks. Um, I had sort of this vision uh, because i moved away for six years with my my wife, and we ended up having kids. We'd moved to Montreal mm-hmm. and uh, you know started our life again there. and um, after six years there and it was it was a great time, I just had a vision that it was time to come back to Toronto, and that was you know prior to being smart enough to actually having a real deep plan to you know what I was going to do. So I, I basically told my company that I wanted to move back, and uh, and I and I did it on the basis that uh, you know they wanted me to still work for them, mm-hmm. um, but I but I knew that this could be something that could be potentially short term, and they gave me an opportunity to, to work on a certain area of the company while I was in Toronto, and I kind of passed on it because I wanted to do something more challenging, which is still working on retail and working on digital marketing, mm-hmm. and so I put myself in a pretty vulnerable position, but I actually just did it because my heart was done. I couldn't live in Montreal again. I wanted to move back to Toronto and I, and I had to still keep working on something that I thought would be really mentally challenging and passionate for me. And by doing that, I, I, I came back to Toronto with my family. I, I only lasted six months at the company and then we agreed to kind of part ways. But it was kind of doing that that, that allowed me the genesis of doing something such as starting my own company um, because it, it just it put me in a situation where I, I was able to do the kind of work up until that point that really helped me in this company um, and also put me in a situation that I, I probably would have never started a company if I'd moved away from home. I, I needed to do it back in the city that I'd grown up in, and I felt I had a bit of a support system here that I could take this big risk.
1: I mean, that's really interesting story, Andrew. and. Was it the need, like, what was that emotion though? Was it the need to move home first? Because, you know, there's a couple of catalysts that, that was happening there. And I don't know if it was starting a business first or maybe it was moving home first.
0: Yeah. I think that is it. I, I, sometimes in life, you don't always know where these feelings come from and, and also where exactly they're leading you to, Mm -hmm. but they're so overwhelmingly powerful that all you know is a truth. I mean, it's kind of like love. You know, you don't you don't know exactly why, but you just know that that's the feeling and it's real. And I think, but to your point, I think the biggest thing that I did know was that I needed to get back to Toronto. I I wanted to reconnect with family who hadn't really gotten to know my kids at that time while I was living away. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like a lot of my older friendships were still based in Toronto. I felt like I had accomplished a lot in Montreal. and And perhaps I sort of said that I'm not sure... What I'm doing in this big company is ultimately what I still need to do for the next five years. I I, I felt like somewhere along the line, I I kind of knew something else was probably in the cards, but I just didn't know what. And so I had to start with, well, let's first, you know, get myself back into the environment where I want to be with the kind of people that are from where I was, um, you know, I was from.
1: Yeah, there was a feeling of unrest and I guess for you and what it sounds like to me is the logical step was was to move home, make a change.
0: Yeah, I think for all the right reasons I moved away and it was the freshest experience ever is taking a, a great opportunity outside of the city you grew up in and equally so was the decision to know at the right time, you know, 6 years in that it was time to move back. And, and I think a lot of those things, you know, you put some logic into it, but your feeling drives you. And that, that That's right. was uh, pretty important.
1: That's amazing. Um, Andrew, what are your thoughts on the difference between uh, honest transparency and respectful dialogue?
0: It's, uh, it's funny because I think they are partly the same thing in the sense that um, any kind of discussion I think you have with people it relies on those two kind of you know, uh, yin yang points. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because on the one hand, you know, let's just say you're running a company, you want to do what's good for the company. And you also want to do what's good for a person. And ultimately, people, you know, drive and run your company. So I think you have to be transparent with people, because in order for your company to grow, you have to be pretty honest. And you've got to. you don't want politics, you want people to solve real problems and put everything on the table to figure them out, feel comfortable in that. And at the same time, you have to realize people are people and they're human. And um, you have to be respectful of their of their emotions. You've got to be respectful of everyone's unique process and how they apply themselves to work. And so I think when you balance the two, people appreciate it, even though sometimes what you're telling them is hard. I mean, I've had an individual who I like a lot, but I've really had to tell them in you know in kind words that, that you know a lot of what they're focused on is misdirected, a lot of what they're doing is 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 not quite hitting the mark and how can we do something better together how can we prepare them better to get better results because we love them like we think they're the greatest person but you know ultimately it's affecting the company and you know sometimes it's hard to hear but i think if you do it the right way big picture you're doing the right thing for the company and i think people over time respect the fact that you're coming from an honest place and and a a place that has good intentions
1: no for sure and do you have like specific examples or maybe some best practices that that you've learned to do to to find that balance within these hard conversations because i mean for you know for the emerging business leader who may be listening today and maybe has <coughs> the task of of doing this right now like what would you say to them you know
0: it's funny i um i think there has been sage advice out there that always that that says hey look if you're going to have an honest discussion with somebody it's probably Maybe not always, but probably better to do one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I actually think in order for people to know that you care, and I don't do this because of it, but I actually almost do it because it's more natural because I, I, I do care. Um, I try to bring on people in the company that I care about um, and are likable because then I don't have to be not real with them. I, I can just be a friend with them and, and try to accomplish things together. But if I have to tell people certain things that are more difficult, I quite honestly almost always, by the end of the conversation, hug them, <laughs> and I and I just do it because I, I honestly really want them to know I care. Uh, this is not just you know directly at them for any un, un, you know unmotivated reason than trying to get a better result for everyone. And I think you know sometimes even the toughest discussions they may have not said it, but afterwards I think it feels a little bit better. And so I I actually think you know whether or not you're a huggy kind of person, I think doing something. Uh, shaking a hand, uh, you know, a high five, something that kind of bonds you a little bit on a human level is, um, it's surprisingly very important when you're dealing with people.
1: No, I love that. I love, I love how you, you talk about hugging and and really starting about Know caring for the people, and I, I was in a conversation where someone's like, "We should all start meetings and end meetings with hugs, because these, are, <laughs> you know, you spend a lot of time with the people you work with, and sometimes, in some cases, maybe it's more than your own family, right? So why oh, yeah. why can't it? Yeah, why can't it be people you like and you care about, and you have these joint joint missions together, right?
0: Uh, I agree. They be, they to your point. They do become family, and like anything, I mean, you kind of you go through a lot together, you spend a lot of time together. It's it. it and, and you think about it, that's kind of how families work really well. I mean, you've got kids and sometimes they don't like you, but they do know you care, you know? And so I think when you're working with people, it has to be the same kind of thing. They have to feel like you care. And, uh, I think, uh, I haven't tried the beginning of the meeting hug, end of the meeting hug, but I, but I might try it because it's, it's a good idea.
1: Oh, I love it. Well, you, you definitely let us know how that goes, Andrew, uh, in the future, because that's, you know, this is, this is where we're going in terms of, in terms of that work workplace, right. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to change the topic a bit, Andrew, if you can name a person who had a tremendous impact on you as a business leader, it could be anyone uh, that you've worked with or maybe a mentor or even someone that you don't know.
0: Sure. Sure. I, uh, Wow. You know, I think, I think uh, probably quick point is that I think you, along the way, there's always a lot of different people that influence you on different levels. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just as simple as some little piece of wisdom someone gives you that you can take the rest of your life. Uh, As an example, when I first was contemplating this business, I met a gentleman who had launched a big tattoo company and I told him about our company idea. I've been thinking about it for four or five months and he looked at me straight and he just said, like, what the hell are you doing? And I just said, what do you mean? He's like, why do you keep talking hypothetically about this business? You should have started this business two months ago. It's a fine idea. People have started worse businesses, get going and and start this thing. And, uh, and this is a pretty successful business guy. Um, and I just was like, wow, um, I guess yeah, I'm overthinking this stuff. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing all this analysis and, and it's, it's paralyzing me. And I, and, and literally within four weeks after that, I actually had Started the business, I'd raised a little bit of money, and I got some people on board. So, so sometimes there's one person like that that sparks you. And then on my example, my surprisingly enough, and it's pretty ironic, um, one of our lead investors happens to be one of my closest friends from childhood, who's a who's tremendously successful uh, individual in tech. And um, it's funny, but he actually is one of the most inspiring people that has guided me in this business. One, he's extremely bright. He's got good wisdom. He also really cares about the business. He cares about me. And 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 it's funny how even though often you get a different type of relationship between a board and a CEO or a founder for, you know, sometimes various financial motivations, here we kind of, um, I think, truly want what's best for each other. I mean, if you're friends with somebody and they invest in your company, the last thing you want to do is let them down, um, mm-hmm. I think, if you're a good person. And so you kind of work exceptionally hard not to ever let them down and at the same time he he you know understands me tries to push us as a company to do the best we can um, and is passionate the business like me and and so uh and yet i also kind of feel like his advice is coming from a good place it's not i'm trying to you know it's not got a dual motivation and i think when you have that that type of experience it's a really healthy one so He's probably been one of the biggest uh, influences on me directly, and if it's indirectly, I think probably the more I've read about Netflix as a company, I've I admire what they've done as a company. I've I've always liked Reed Hastings um, when I've seen him, you know, on TED talks. When I've read a lot of his strategy papers on how he tries to empower his team, uh, I, I actually just find that most of what he's uh, said at least in what I've read is is stuff that I've incorporated into our business. Uh, uh, we're very goal focused. We're we're less focused on you know a big policy on vacation. Um, we're more focused on trying to let people make decisions. Um, albeit I I'd probably am more actively involved than than Reed is at this point in his company. But but I think a lot of uh, what I've seen happen with Netflix and, and their strategies of business has been uh, tremendously. Uh, insightful and, and something that's inspired me.
1: If you are enjoying this conversation and have any questions, comments or feedbacks, please consider joining my free private Facebook group where I share daily insights, answer your questions, and connect you to other like-minded business leaders. Go to the businessleadership.com slash FB group or search for the business leadership group directly in Facebook. Now let's get back to it, Andrew. What are what do you specifically do now to ensure that you continue to grow and develop as a as as a successful business leader?
0: Um, it's it's a good question. I think um, I think two things that are all like kind of top of mind for me. One is less related to being a business leader, but being a I, I really believe in health. And so Mm -hmm. I've come to realize that, you know, if you're running any company or startup at first, you've got this amazing business plan that within two years you can be normally CC successful. And I've realized that these things are not necessarily that case. They do take a lot longer. And so the best way I can contribute to the business and be a great leader is to be extremely healthy. And so I work out three times a week. I play hockey. I eat well. And it's mainly because I just find the better your mindset, the better you are at being able to day in day out, you know, uh, be on top of your game in a business and feel really good while you're doing it. So I I think, you know, for anyone running a business, I think that's number one. Um, You know, getting a lot of sleep uh, is important. Um, So because a lot of the things people will tell you sometimes are short term great things, um, you know, burning the midnight oil, etc, are times that you sometimes have to do that stuff. But Ultimately, I think you've got to manage these things for the long term, and the more you're healthy, the better you are. Um, And I think also just trying to get yourself into different experiences. Um, You know, we went and did the CN Tower outdoor walk. You know, 1,100 feet up in the sky. You know, like uh, ten days ago. And and I just find the more you you um, expose yourself to unique situations, and and a few of those people that I did it with are some business leaders. You know, we had a lot of fun talking about uh, business afterwards, but you put yourself in different positions with people that you trust. And, uh, it's amazing the more you challenge yourself, uh, to learn from other people, to go into vulnerable spaces, you, you take a lot with that, um, in back into your business. And so I, I try to just get my mindset into that good place so that I can be really focused, um, engaging and passionate at work. And, um, and hopefully, you know, that, that leads to good ideas and good strategies and, um, you know, good relationships with the people here.
1: Well, that's great. I appreciate you for sharing. Andrew, I know within the podcast, I get a lot of insight in terms of what everyone is reading. Um, I guess, whether, whether it's specific to business leadership or or even fiction books, but I'm wondering, what are you reading right now?
0: I am reading a book on Buddhism and I'm reading a book called Valley of Genius by Adam Fisher, which is kind of like the history of Silicon Valley. And I find, you know, I flip between philosophy books and, and, and real, you know, uh, historical books, I guess you could say. Uh, valley Genius is brilliant because instead of it being one person's interpretation of history, there's actually just quotes from all the people that have really shaped Silicon Valley covering different, you know, uh, decades and, and um, you know, growth areas of the valley, uh, you know, whether it be Apple or, or what have you. And when you hear it directly from people, it's amazing to kind of see the the, the different points of view different people had at the time. Um, I just find learning from what people say about their history and and experiences, one of the most uh, healthy things for me to kind of try to, you know, knit together where we might go as a company, because I think the past is a great indicator of behavior. It doesn't mean technology doesn't change, and business models don't change. But if you look at how people interacted with technology and change and personal dynamics and the events at the time it, it can help give you a bit of a bit of a roadmap to look to when when looking at what might happen in the future
1: I mean those are two two great books uh, I've, I've never um, heard on the podcast yet so we'll definitely share that on the episode website uh, for those who are listening next question I have here and, and it's more on a personal side and sort of my passions in terms of you know, my background in technology and development as well it is I'd love to get your thoughts or your insights of, of the next generation, how you lead the, the next generation of workforce with the rise of new innovations in the office, like machine learning, artificial intelligence and, and big mm. data.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a deep question. Huh? There's, there's a lot, uh, there's so much happening in technology that's changing, you know, just sometimes the culture of how you work. I guess there's two sides to this. One is mm-hmm. we, I believe people have to embrace technology and you use, use it as an enabler to accomplish a lot of their goals. Um, so we want people who are smart and the people who are willing to learn and be flexible and adopt uh, new ways of doing things at the same time. Uh, you know we always tell everyone from the start wherever whatever they're working on here, whether it be coding, whether it be production, marketing, that if they ever get so good at learning technology that it uh, makes some of what they do or other people what other people do uh, obsolete, then that's probably the biggest um, compliment to something that they've done because. You know, there will always be new challenges, new technology, new opportunities to have to figure out to see how we can internalize them. So it's not a zero sum game. We kind of feel like if people are adaptive to technology, that'll just provide more opportunities for the company to grow and give them more opportunities within the company to work on different stuff, which I do think the new generation of workforce wants variety. Um, They don't mind focusing on something, but, but over after a year or two, they want to try something different. So I find that's actually a healthy cycle. I think the other side of the coin is if you look at a lot of the AI, if you look at Slack and you look at a lot of the tools people can use that minimize the, the level of personal interactions that they have to have with their, their fellow uh, people they work with, it's a double-edged sword because I think that, you know, there's so many times I've seen Slack conversations go off the rails because people really didn't understand the context of what someone was saying. Right. And um, so you, you really have to have, I mean, I think the idea of a 10-minute, you know, Uh, sprint review or, or, you know, meeting in the morning just to talk about uh, what you guys have done the day before uh, amongst different teams is really important because it allows people to kind of really hear real dialogue about issues and talk them through. And then after that, you can use a lot of the great tools out there to be efficient. But it's important not to get sucked into something that negates real people communicating with one another uh, on a one-on-one basis, looking at people in the eye, because, Um, I just find that uh, not only is it better communication, but I I find it makes the experience of work more enriching than when everything is artificial, right? So I'd say it's kind of the two sides of it. We want people to embrace technology while not being not able to be, uh, you know, uh, comfortable and and communicated with each other. And and that's why even in meetings, we try to have phones put aside because we don't want the distractions of technology. We want people to actually hear and see each other direct.
1: I mean, that's great. I mean, it's it's exciting times and I'm trying to just, you know, just get a narrative and see where a lot of the, the business leaders are thinking and, and, and really, you know, trying to be forward thinking, trying to think about today and, and really know what's happening around, right? Fun question, Andrew. If I were to ask any of your team members, it could be past present colleagues, business partners, what's the best leadership quality that you possess? Uh, what do you think they would say?
0: Um I've heard, and i I would probably you know I'd like to think that uh I'm a pretty passionate guy
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I think for me to be successful, it's sort of in my DNA to be passionate about the things I'm working on, or else it's really hard for me to spend the hours that I do getting so consumed by things and and so I think what's interesting is it's always been more natural for me to be passionate about what I'm doing. What I never quite realized is how sometimes that can be very um uh, motivating for other people to work in an environment where the, 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 the leader of some kind is, is very passionate because I think it does create an energy for them to, to work within and, um, an excitement level. And it, it, it brings a sense of meaning to what they're doing. Um, and so, I, I think I've, I've heard that I'd like to think that that's true and I probably mm-hmm. would want to keep embracing that. Um, Maybe anything else is just, you know, I do, I do try to put more weight for people being, uh, you know, doing the extra work for attention to detail and analysis and, you know, running some quants that they can mm-hmm. justify certain opinions. Um, I don't, I don't fully, you know, rely on statistics to guide everything we do, but I do like when people have done extra work to show that they're trying to go deep on something it actually to me shows that they are actually equally passionate about something, but they're trying to you know, come at it from an objective perspective. Um, so I try to, I try to do both those things. Um, hopefully people would say something similar.
1: No, that's great. Appreciate you sharing that Andrew, but what else is going on? Uh, what else is new? Do you have any special project initiatives or maybe some, something fun that you're, you're really looking, looking towards or looking, you know, losing sleep about right now.
0: <laughs> um well it's it's a it's a great time to be i think in e-commerce i mean you've probably read a lot of about obviously the growth of amazon they've got close to 50 percent of market share of all e-commerce and it's just because i think it's just so powerful when you've blended retail with e-commerce technology mm-hmm. to see how um how how fun how functional how pragmatic how simple shopping has become online and so for us, we we're in the next wave of that because instead of it all being about ready-made products, we kind of from the, from the onset believed it was all about custom products. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited about continually building this brand that's you know, the ultimate solution for you know, custom sticky products, whether they be stickers, labels, tattoos, you know, or other products that we um, have um, a unique competency to make uh, better than other people. Um, so I think on the, I think we're always trying to build that awareness to us becoming not only the ultimate solution for custom sticky products, but a global brand for a Canadian company. Um, we're having a lot of fun doing that. That's always sort of first and foremost in our minds. But if there's something more special that's happening, it's the, the irony of everything I just said is that we are actually in the, in the next six months, um, you're going to see us launch our first um, actual physical retail store. And so um, despite everything being e-commerce up until now and and, and really moving away from retail when I, when I kind of launched this company 10 years ago from my past experience, um, uh, I actually am now a believer that retail is transforming to become something that's not only omni-channel for an e-commerce uh, retailer, but if you want to be a vertical brand and you've got a brand experience that is more tactile and dimensional than just a ready-made physical product, I think there's something really exciting that you can do at retail, which we're going to do. So our idea is basically, we're going to be on the one hand, creating the world's biggest sticker store, that there's gonna be over a 1000 different really cool stickers that you'd want to put on your laptop, you know, from motivational themes to cute themes to branded themes, funny, um, a lot of different artists from around the world and, and Toronto that will be participating in this. Um, so on the one hand, I think that's pretty exciting because there's never been a store like that ever. So, um, that's original, but the second half of the store is actually taking the whole customization experience and giving it a dimension. People will be able to test out the products, the stickers themselves, ensure why they're really so, there's such a great, um, chemistry in the material that makes it waterproof, that makes it, uh, removable without any gunk. They'll be able to see applications on wood and metal and plastic, um, they'll be able to see how people can use stickers in their personal life as well in their business life for packaging and signage. Um, so I think it's going to be extremely inspiring for people. It'll be at, there'll be an impulse level that they can buy immediately and then there'll be um, sort of a, a jumping off point to inspire them into how they can customize with us. Um, and I, and so I think it'll be something that'll be very unique to the world and, and, it's, um, it's gotten a lot of people in the company extremely excited by taking everything we've kind of been building over the years and now doing another completely different beachhead, but that still pulls from a lot of the core of what we do well. Um, you know, so we can actually make stickers within a week that, f- that fuels the inventory of the store very efficiently. Um, we can capitalize on trends. We can do local stores in different markets that reflect upon the local culture with stickers that are reflective of that. Um, so we're about to embark on uh, on a new era that I I think is just great for our brand. It's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of learning and there'll be probably a little bit of pain along the way, but um, we're all really pumped about it.
1: Well, I mean that's super exciting. Be sure to let us know here uh, for the, for the business leadership podcast. Would be happy to share, happy to celebrate with you. I mean that's I'd be happy to come down. I know I'm in Toronto and this will be in Toronto, so that'd be something I'd be looking forward to. To checking out.
0: Uh, yes, you will absolutely be on our invite list, and there'll be a uh, there'll probably be a big launch party in the spring of next year for it.
1: Exciting! Before we end, Andrew, I'd love to get some of your final thoughts, observations. Ideally, some type of actionable recommendations that you could share with the growing business leaders who are listening today.
0: I think probably the biggest insight I have on running any business is, uh, you know, I think you got to be honest. <laughs> I think uh, I think we get, it's, it's one of our most important values. And so um, it doesn't mean that everything you do in strategy and whatnot, you have to reveal it to everybody. But I think having a transparent, honest company is pretty important. I think um, hiring likable people is also important because I think people really enjoy working with people they like and you can get amazing results when that happens. And uh, probably the other thing is just that in anything you take on, just like we did, you know, we we slightly missed the mark when we first launched because we thought we had figured out that everyone wanted this really creative application to make you know wildly creative stickers for for teenagers, mm-hmm. and it ended up being very different than that. We didn't have to build half of what we built um, in the in the in the beginning. We could have waited, and we didn't do that. And so we spent a lot of time and energy on thinking what the market wanted and building it first. And I definitely subscribe to building something really light, really focused getting it up into the market, and then um, iterating from there. And um, it's something we definitely learned the hard way the first time around, and and since then have kind of put it into our DNA that way. But I I think on those fronts, hopefully there's some wisdom there that people can take. Maybe the last point is just that uh, if you do follow your passion and you think about it deeply, um, it'll probably surprise you how you know, you might attract people to that idea. And there's nothing more gratifying than having great people work with you on something that you're passionate about. The key is just whether or not you believe it. And, and I think that's where the homework, you know, comes into play at the beginning. Like, you know, did you think uh, enough about it to really truly believe in it? And um, whether it works or doesn't is, you know, in not something you're always going to know. But your belief in it is going to be one of the big determining factors of how well you can attract a team to, to try to see whether or not you can be successful.
1: Well that's great. Thank you for that. So to close Andrew, can you tell us where we can find more information about you, Sticker U, or anything else you'd like to share with us today?
0: Uh sure. Yeah, I think um, you know our mantra is we've trademarked this, make what matters stick. And so if you go to stickeru.com, hopefully there'll be um, uh, an interface there that you uh, find exciting because it it um allows you the opportunity to make anything custom that you want with products that might, might uh, really enhance your life or your business or your hockey team or, or what have you. So um, check out everything we've done in our StickerU.com store. And one day uh, when it's live, you'll, uh, you'll hopefully hear about our physical store if you want something more uh, dimensional.
1: Well, that's awesome. Andrew, I really appreciate you taking your time to join us on the Business Leadership Podcast.
0: Hey Edwin, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be part of the top 100 podcasts you've uh, put together, and I look forward to meeting you when we um, when we do launch uh, and just meeting in life.
1: Definitely, we'll make that happen.
0: All right, thanks, Edwin.
1: That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. This was Episode 89 with Andrew Whitkin. If you want to learn more about Andrew, sticker you. Or anything else we discuss, please go to the slash 089. Our sponsors today are Pungle, a business payment solution that helps remove business payment friction by making payments fast, connected, and easy to use. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Now, please join my free private Facebook group called the Business Leadership Group, where I personally share daily insights, answer your questions, and connect you with other like minded business leaders. Lastly, subscribe to the Business Leadership Podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or wherever you're listening to this podcast today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off.
0: Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.